0: This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 31st, 2018. In this episode, we'll define some common security-related terminology, plus news on the security highlights in Apple's latest operating system and app updates. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long.
1: Have you updated all your Macs and iOS devices, Josh? I'm still working on it. You know, they dumped a whole bunch of updates on us just the other day.
2: Yeah, on the 23rd, they updated the Mac, iOS, WatchOS, tvOS, Safari, iCloud for Windows, and iTunes. That's a lot of stuff all at once. And if you have multiple devices like we do, it's a lot of work to download all this stuff. The update for my iMac was two gigabytes. I haven't updated my laptop yet. I'm going to do it as soon as the show's over, I promise. But that's another couple of gigabytes. And the iOS updates weren't that big, but I've got four iOS devices and my partner has two. This is like, you know, five, six, eight gigabytes to update all the stuff in my household.
1: Yeah, which must really be terrible for people who have a a remote, you know, ISP in the middle of nowhere that probably doesn't give them very good speeds. Well, I'm
2: sort of in the middle of nowhere. I get 15 megabits down, which isn't that bad. But still, it's not lightning fast. So all of these updates cover a variety of things. And one of them was the issue that we talked about in the last episode where a malicious link could crash
1: messages. Yeah, we talked about that in in detail about what exactly could happen. Someone could send you a a text message and it could cause your messages app to crash. In some cases, reportedly, even your entire device could freeze up and or possibly reset. And so this was a bug that was discovered by Abraham Masri and Apple has the details, if you're really curious and you want to see all the weird technical things related to these vulnerabilities that Apple's patching, they actually do have a support document.
2: I'll have a link in the show notes to Apple's page that lists links to information about each security update. It's the general security updates page, and you can go down the list and you can find information about every update back to 2015, and then it links. Back to pages, you can go all the way back and the last page is August 2003 and earlier. So you can look at, you know, 15, 20 years of of Apple security updates.
1: I've actually gone through the archives before and found some really interesting things. I'm not surprised, Josh. (laughs) Of course, yeah, whatever. (laughs) I'm a geek. I know, I know. (laughs) But one of the really interesting things about the Mac OS update, um, we've we've talked uh, recently about Meltdown and Spectre. Well, Spectre was something that was fixed for the two previous versions of Mac OS, not, not long ago, about the same time that Apple released the Spectre updates for the Safari browser for High Sierra. They at the same time released updates for the Safari version for the two previous Mac OS versions, which were Sierra and El Capitan. And So one of the things that came in this latest round of updates for macOS is um, High Sierra included some better mitigations for Meltdown, but also El Capitan and Sierra, for the first time, finally got Meltdown um, updates.
2: Right. Historically, Apple used to provide security updates for the current and the previous versions of the operating system. And this time, they're going another version back. So 10.11 El Capitan, 10.12 Sierra, and 10.13
1: High Sierra. Yeah, and and this is really interesting to me because Apple does this pretty often where they'll only release updates for some of, of the vulnerabilities for the most recent version, in this case, which is High Sierra. So it didn't necessarily surprise me that Apple had an update ready to go for meltdown already for High Sierra. What's interesting to me though is that Apple kind of decided for whatever reason, oh yeah, okay, I guess I guess we'll go ahead and release a meltdown update for the two previous as well. It's funny what Apple chooses to release updates for for the two previous and the timing sometimes. That it's a little bit later than for the most recent operating system. Exactly. And now another thing, and this isn't nearly as big of a deal as far as security vulnerabilities go, but one of the things that I noticed here is cURL. Apple says that they patched multiple issues in CURL. Now, CURL, C-U-R-L, is a command line utility for basically downloading something from the internet.
2: Right. You can download any URL, which is what the URL in CURL is. It could be a web page. It could be a file stored on a server. It could be an FTP link or
1: anything. And this is probably something that not very many people are going to be using, to be fair. But What's interesting about it is that Curl is open source software. So it's not like Apple can't very easily just compile this and have it work on the older versions of macOS, but they've only updated it for High Sierra. Why? Apple does this very often where even with open source packages where there's almost no work that they have to do to include that fix for the two previous that they still release security updates for, and then they don't.
2: Well, they still have to test it on multiple devices with multiple operating systems. Curl is actually an interesting tool. I would think that a lot of developers use this inside apps if they're going to get information. So there are some apps that you open that may present news or or something like that. And they're going to be pulling this from a web server using Curl. They're not going to be using a browser. It's not uncommon to use Curl to get files within an app. So Apple probably has to ensure that this works in the previous versions of the operating
1: system because it could break third-party apps. Perhaps. I mean, that's a, that, that's a fair argument. Um, I I, I kind of doubt that Apple's going to patch this, though, for the older version. So we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Maybe they'll pull what they did with Meltdown, and then they'll just release this in a future update. My experience is a lot of times they just don't. They, they just don't patch certain things for, for the older operating systems, even when it's easy to do, like in the case of Curl. A couple of other things that I that stood out to me, um, Apple mentioned that they were gonna have some better mitigations for Meltdown in High Sierra version 10.13.3, which is the, the new one that came out. They didn't specifically mention Meltdown, but one of the things that I noticed, and this is probably what they were talking about, is that uh, they included a kernel update that is credited to one of the same researchers, Jan Horn from Google Project Zero. And it talks about, it says the impact is an application may be able to read restricted memory. Well, that sounds a lot like Meltdown. And so that may be what Apple was talking about with that update that they were going to be releasing in 10.13.3 to further uh, enhance mitigations against Meltdown. So that's probably where, where that is. The other thing that's interesting here is one that is gonna sound really nerdy and people are gonna be scratching their heads about this one, but it's I-O-H-I-D family. And basically what you need to know about this is, is it has to do with devices that you plug into your Mac and, and drivers, you can kind of think of it like that. If you're familiar with the Windows term drivers, right? I-O is input
2: slash output. So this is anything that reads or writes data.
1: Yes, exactly. And this vulnerability is credited to a guy named Sagusa, And this, this is the vulnerability that was dropped on December 31st on New Year's Eve. And so Apple did patch that vulnerability as well. And, and they patched that for High Sierra Sierra and El Capitan. So that is patched. And this is something that actually Sagusa said goes way, way back way back to early versions. This was the one that was 15 years old, right? Right, exactly. So now this is, of course, only being patched for the three most recent versions of macOS. So if you've still got, you know, Snow Leopard, oh boy, yeah, it's it's time to upgrade.
2: (laughs) So we've been bandying around a lot of terminology on this podcast, and I thought today would be a good day to take some time and look at all these words we use. As professionals, we prefer using the term malware as the global term for all these things. But novices and average users tend to just use the term virus. Viruses are a specific type of malware. It's a type of malware that self-replicates, kind of like the flu, which a lot of you might have right now. And if you're lying in bed listening to this podcast at home, we hope you feel better soon. But we don't see a lot of viruses on the Mac. In fact, we've only ever seen a couple of viruses on the Mac.
1: Yeah. In in recent history, viruses for the Mac are really not that common. You typically see different kinds of malware, but not viruses so much anymore.
2: Right. So it's important for people to understand that if something is going wrong with their Mac, not to say, oh, I think I have a virus, because first of all, it's usually not even malware. It's a, a bug. And try restarting your Mac if you have a problem, because that generally fixes half of your problems. But viruses are extremely rare. What's more common these days is Trojan horses. And we've discussed this in a number of cases. And and often a Trojan horse will be something, for instance, that downloads pretending to be an installer for Flash Player or for other software.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we see this a lot. Um, There have even been cases where the developer's website has even been compromised and has distributed uh, what we sometimes call trojanized versions of the application. In other words, it was the developer's legitimate application, but it had some malicious code that had been added into it. So so there's there's a couple kinds of Trojan horses. One is just something that pretends to be something else, and it's not really that at all. Then the other kind of Trojan Horse is one that is the legitimate software, but it's got some other nasty stuff that's been added to it.
2: So another type of malware that's been in the news lately, and I I think last year there were a couple of incidents of this that that spread quite widely, is ransomware. And this is a type of malware that when it's installed on a computer, it manages to lock a user's files until they pay a ransom. It, It sort of encrypts the files. And for you to get the files back, you need an encryption key. And you generally get a website address where you can go to pay the ransom. Some of these are really sophisticated, and they even have toll-free phone numbers you can call to pay them and to get support. Usually you have to pay in Bitcoin, and, and I really wouldn't trust giving my credit card to anyone who's doing this. But again, we
1: don't see this on the Mac very often, do we? Not terribly often. It's definitely something that we see a lot more of on Windows. But yeah, there there have been cases of ransomware on the Mac in multiple occasions. So it's not something that uh, Mac users should feel like, eh, that can never happen to me. Well, ransomware is actually something that's relatively easy for a malicious party to create. And if they do get that ransomware onto your Mac, and if you don't have your files backed up, you could really, really lose a lot of very valuable things. Pictures of your kids, your important bank statements or whatever it might be that's really valuable to you. Those are the things that they're gonna target.
2: And that's why you should always back up your files in multiple locations. Exactly. What's interesting though, is some of these terms don't exist in isolation. So ransomware is the malware when it's installed on your Mac, But for it to get to your Mac, it has to be installed by another type of malware. And usually this is a Trojan horse. So often we'll see a combination of two types of malware, one that's a delivery mechanism and one that is actually performing the malicious act on the computer. Right. Well
0: said. Okay, well, if you don't want to say anything after it, then I guess that's good enough. <laughs> Coming up, key loggers, rats, backdoors, and more security terminology defined when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. Sometimes an offer comes along that you just can't ignore or resist. And here's one from Intego right now. For a limited time and for the first time ever. Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 60% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti phishing, and anti spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download your free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today and then use the promo code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout to save 60%. That's Podcast to save 60% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. This is a limited time offer that may never be repeated, so you must act soon. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 or mac washing machine secure x9 or mac internet security x9 using the promo code intigo podcast at checkout intigo devoted to protecting apple products since 1997 visit intigo.com today and save 60 percent
2: so what about keyloggers? you hear about them every once in a while And they don't sound very mean. They sound very, it's a nice round, smooth kind of word. It's like a summer (laughs) afternoon
1: word. What is a keylogger? What's so bad about it? A keylogger or a keystroke logger is software that pays attention to everything that you're typing on your keyboard and it logs it to a file. Although that might not sound terrible, you consider some of the things that you type on your computer. You might be typing passwords. You might be typing credit card numbers and other things that are sensitive. You might even be typing a secret message to somebody. And, well, if you've got a keystroke logger on your machine, it's going to keep track of all of that.
2: Yeah, these are pretty malicious. And so what happens here is that someone manages to install this, and they either install software that can send the log of the keylogger up to a remote server... Or they've
1: set up a way to get into the computer to be able to to pull a copy of that log. Exactly, yeah. A lot of times, you were just talking about how malware often comes in, in bundles. So there might be multiple types of malware that are all, all being installed at the same time. So a lot of times, a keylogger will come along with something else. Like, for example, um, a rat, a remote access Trojan. Ooh, that sounds mean. Yeah, yeah. I've got some rats in my computer. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. It sounds like we need cats to get rid of them. (laughs) Yeah, we might. But a rat is another thing that you might hear about from time to time. And that's a remote access Trojan. And basically what it does is is, it's it's kind of a suite of tools that an attacker could use to get into your computer or steal data from your computer. So one of the things that typically will come along with a RAT is a keystroke logger. I remember
2: back in the day, so we're, we're pretty lucky on Mac OS now because it automatically saves files. So if your application crashes, you generally don't lose data. It saves versions of files. You have time machine and all that. So even out of the box, you've got a lot of protection for losing data. I remember back in the days of OS 9, That you could buy legitimate security software that contained a keylogger for you to use for yourself because there wasn't any autosave on the Mac. And this way, if your application crashed, you would at least have a file with the text that you had typed. Let's say you're typing the Great American Novel and you write a whole chapter, and when you go to save your file, it crashes. Well, you don't lose that chapter. And this was legitimate software. And I remember using this for a while. I did have a couple crashes, and it did come in handy a couple of times. But obviously, that was a totally different usage. And I'm thinking at the time, I probably wasn't even connected to the internet. So I wasn't too worried about rats getting in and using Curl to get my key logs back out to some <laughs> remote server someplace. Right. So we talk about malicious users. Sometimes people say cyber criminals. We don't like to use the term hacker because hackers can be good people who are hacking or white hat hackers. But cyber criminals and malicious people, another tool that they'll use is a backdoor and this will allow them to get into a computer or another device like your security camera that you have outside your house or anything like that.
1: Sometimes the the word backdoor is used almost interchangeably with, um, with rat, um, just because um, a rat is, again, it's kind of a suite of tools that somebody can use to get into your computer. But a backdoor is basically, it's a way for somebody else to be able to get into your computer or device without having to authenticate to get around some of the security that may be in place on, on your device.
2: So another kind of malware that we see is called spyware. What does that do? That sounds, I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but that sounds very Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of different kinds of spyware. One of the kinds of spyware as we talked about is a keystroke logger, but there there's other things that software can do to spy on what you're doing online. One kind of spyware for Mac is a browser extension that can keep track of everywhere you go on the on the internet and send that back to a a company who is using that information to make money off of you, or to serve you advertisements, or things like that. So you mean Google? <laughs> well, well, sort of. Google does know a lot about you. They do. Generally, generally, most people consider Google to be uh, not spyware but um but they do know an awful lot about you so that's a, that's a fair point it's not that different but but i think <laughs> uh, uh,
2: another kind of spyware is the kind that can maybe turn on your computer's camera sure to see exactly what you're doing and and i happen to know someone who puts tape over the cameras on his computers because he's worried about that.
1: Yep. Ah, Josh just raised his hand there. Okay, you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's 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 many of us who do that. Um, they and if you don't really like sticking tape on on your computer, well, one thing that you can do is you can use a little piece of bla- a little square of black electrical tape, and that way it's almost transparent. You can you can't even see it there, but it's blocking your camera when you're not using it.
2: But then when you need to use the camera, you take it off and the glue gets stuck on the camera and your image looks terrible. So that's too much of a headache. You see, we use we use Skype video when we're doing these podcasts so we can see each other and make hand signals. So if you did that, you would have to pull the thing off and you'd have to clean it so I could see you clearly.
1: Yes. So the alternative for people who are a little bit fancier is is to put a, uh, th- there's like a little slider switch thing. You can actually buy these. And if you go to any security like trade show, you'll probably get about a thousand of these as free swag. But yeah, it's a, it's just a little slider. So you mount it, you know, and it's- just- it's really thin so you could put it on your laptop even or they even make these for your iphone but it's a little thing that you just stick on onto your to your screen and then you've got a little slider so you can you can have it cover or uncover your camera so this is like the
2: thing you would see in old movies at a speakeasy some guy would slide the thing (laughs) open and you would have to say swordfish to get in right exactly
1: yeah it's it's just like that okay
2: so another category that doesn't really sound like malware is what we call adware this is malicious in a certain way, but it's hard to, it's not really doing anything to
1: harm you. It's just annoying you by flashing ads in different places. Yeah, AdWare can can mean a few different things. One thing that it can mean is, again, it may be a browser extension that just injects ads in, into the pages that you go to. It could also um, replace ads, And so that, for example, if the website is serving you ads to try to make money so they can stay in business and this adware is on your machine, sometimes what it'll do is it'll hijack those advertisements and replace them with ones of their own so that the website creator doesn't actually get any ad revenue if you happen to click on an advertisement. So a lot of times adware is very unethical. Another interesting point about adware, we recently did an interview that we, we mentioned on, on the show with a Meet Serper talking about Pirate, which is a particular kind of very malicious Mac adware. And uh, it does a lot of other really nasty things with your machine that go far beyond what we normally would call adware, but, uh, but it has this, that same functionality of, of injecting ads into your machine as well.
2: Right. There's that slippery slope. Once it's there, it can do more. And generally, this type of malware can always phone home and get more stuff downloaded from the server so it can add more malicious features as it goes on. And that's really the biggest worry about something like this. It's not so much that it's just changing ads in your browser, but it's that it has the ability to, well, use curl to get new features from a server someplace. Right. So we've talked about exploits and vulnerabilities and zero-day flaws. In fact, you mentioned vulnerabilities when we were talking about the recent updates. These are actually quite simple. A vulnerability is something wrong. An exploit takes advantage of something wrong. And a zero-day vulnerability... Is one that hasn't yet been corrected. Right. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> so, what's the difference between malware and vulnerabilities? I've I've always considered that a vulnerability is a mistake, and malware is something intentional. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, a, vul- a vulnerability is something that exists in in some software that you use. It's not. Most of the time, anyway, it's not something that the developers put in there on purpose to make you vulnerable. It's something that uh, either through sloppy coding, or maybe the developer maybe is not as security minded, that happens sometimes as well. But uh, for, for various reasons, Software can have vulnerabilities that, again, can be exploited.
2: Okay. In the show notes, I'm going to link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog, which discusses all of these terms, plus a few that we haven't had time to cover, worms and botnets and rootkits. And it's got these great illustrations. And I think we need to talk to the guys at Intego and have them make some t-shirts with these illustrations because some of these are really cool. <laughs> so while we're looking at this article, one thing that stands out to me is that there are examples of different types of malware. And I, I wrote this article in 2016, so this is about a year and a half ago. There are examples of different types of malware with the names that were given to them. For instance, there's a ransomware called KeyRanger, K-E-Ranger. There's a botnet called OSX slash iWorm. There's a keylogger, OSX slash dot A. Yet these days we're talking about malware like Flashback, Inspector, and, and Meltdown, and it seems like the naming has changed over the years. It's always generally the first company that publishes information that gets to claim the name, as long as everyone follows it. But why do we have this older naming convention where there's a sort of a family name? and a a suffix, and I'll link to another article on the Mac Security blog about that. Why did we have that originally, and and why has it changed now into these more marketable names?
1: Yeah, those are some good questions. So um, the, the prefix that we're talking about here, most of the time when we're talking about Mac malware, you'll see OSX slash, or sometimes it's dot, and then the name of the malware and then sometimes you'll even see a dot a, dot b, dot c, different things like that on, on the end. The the prefix that osx slash, that means that this is Mac malware. It's it's an easy way to distinguish it as as being something that's on the Mac. Now we don't call it OS X or OS 10 anymore, but that name just kind of has stuck because that's, you know, that's uh, how it got started. But then you have the the general name of the malware. So uh, it might be, we recently talked about MAMI, which is named as OSX slash MAMI with the M's capitalized. And then sometimes you'll also see uh, a dot A or a dot B at the end of that. And what that means, that dot A or dot B means the variant of that malware so if it's the first generation of that malware that's been spotted in the wild then sometimes you'll see the dot a on the end if it's the second generation or another component of it that's been discovered later then you'll have the dot b on the end for example
2: so why have we shifted from names like that with a slash to these more
1: newsworthy names like specter and meltdown ah well we should mention that Malware, it, it can be a little bit different from some of these high-profile vulnerabilities. So Spectre and Meltdown are ways to describe vulnerabilities that exist in a system. And a lot of times the people who discover these vulnerabilities will give it a name that they want the media to use, right? So Spectre and Meltdown are examples of that.
2: So is is it useful to as it were, market these things and give them fancy names that everyone can remember. I guess on the one hand, it means that non-security professionals might be more aware of what these things
1: are instead of giving them, you know, strange names with slashes and dots. Well, from a media perspective, and especially when you're talking about television media and, uh, and podcast and radio and so forth, it's not easy to talk about OSX slash mommy's dot a nobody wants to hear that right it sounds awful and so it's it's nice to just be able to have a simple short something to call it where everyone can hear that and go oh yeah okay i know what they're talking about i think i heard something about that like specter and meltdown for example those are things that even the the mass media was talking about even though they had no clue what they were talking about (laughs) <laughs> it was something that they had to talk about because it was an important, uh, important vulnerability, and that the same thing has happened before with uh, with important, uh, widespread malware. So you had the Melissa worm uh, many, many, many years yes, ago. Yes, that's right. I remember that one. And there have been other examples as well, but these these really popular ones, the media t- especially tends to latch on to like a simple name that everyone can remember and know what someone is talking about.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking back at the archives on the Mac security blog. 2012 was when Flashback came, and it its initial name was OSX slash Flashback dot A, and of course there were variants, and it was named Flash in part because it was delivered through a Trojan horse that pretended to be an installer for Flash Player, and it was probably the worst malware that we saw on Mac for many years because it did spread so widely, but I guess once people adopted the name Flashback, it made it easier for people to discuss it without not understanding what it was. You know how when you're watching the TV news, whenever there's something about computer malware, they always put that screen behind the person, like in Matrix with the characters falling down, where they show some guy typing with like lines of code going really fast, as if this is actually what malware does. I guess humanizing the name makes it a little bit
1: more understandable for average people. Right, right, exactly. As far as where those names come from, yes, especially with vulnerabilities, a lot of times that comes from the people who discover them. But then for the malware, that's a little different. And anyone who's, who's done a lot of research into particular families of malware will know that a lot of times you have multiple names for the same type of malware. Uh, Depending on the antivirus company, you know, some sometimes they'll call it just a generic name, like they might just call it a generic Trojan or or something like that, rather than giving it some fancy name. Uh, Other times they'll update the name later on. If if a particular name becomes really popular in the media, um, then then they might update the name that they're calling it. Now with mommy, what was kind of interesting about this was that there had been malware in the past, years ago, called DNS changer for the Mac. And many antivirus companies were calling mommy DNS changer, which, is not really a good name for it, although that is what it does. It does change your DNS settings. What's different about it is that it's a completely different family of malware. And so it really didn't make a lot of sense for other companies to be calling this DNS changer because it implied that it was somehow related to this really old malware from years ago.
2: And imagine if you're a security professional working in a business and 90% of the company's computers are Windows computers and 10% are Macs, so you're maybe not a Mac specialist, you're looking for for information about this malware and it makes it harder for you to find what the true problem and and solution is.
1: Right. So in that particular case we we went with the name mommy because that's what Patrick Wardle who was the first person to really write up an article about it called it. A lot of times malware is named after something in the code in the malware code. And there's kind of different schools of thought on this. Sometimes Some antivirus companies will actually name it what the malware developer actually asks for it to be called. Sometimes the developer of malware will actually put a note in the code saying, this malware is called whatever. And then (laughs) so, so some antivirus companies will actually just say, oh, yeah, cool, we'll give it that name. Others um, do some things that are kind of more funny and clever, and uh, sometimes they'll call it something that's rather the opposite or that mocks, you know, the developer of the malware in some ways. So, um, you know, antivirus companies sometimes kind of have fun with the names that (laughs) that we come up with for malware that's out there.
2: Okay, so if you're curious, check the Intego Mac security blog where we publish information about all the malware that affects Macs. Obviously... Intego virus barrier protects people from all of this malware, so it's a good idea to run this software on your computer. Have a look at these articles in the show notes, so when you hear these terms in the news, you won't be confused. You'll understand what the difference is. On that note, let's call it a show, and I'll see you next week, Josh. Stay secure. Stay secure.
0: Remember, you can save 60% on Intego software by using the code Podcast at checkout. Hurry, the 60% savings offer won't last long. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.